This is Financially Fit with Coach Hill, the podcast where you learn to train your money like a pro athlete trains for success. I'm Coach Hill, personal finance expert and money coach to the NFL. I took everything I've learned from coaching pro athletes for the last 10 years and founded Financial Footwork to help you become more financially fit, find your success with your money, and live the lifestyle you want with the money that you've got. I can't wait to introduce this guy. So let's start with the fact that this is the director of player engagement and the big brother to the Cleveland Browns, a guy who makes a true and lasting impact in the lives of every single guy that passes through the Browns locker room. He's a mentor, a leader, an educator, a coach, a confidant, and the person the guys turn to for help when it comes to everything. His job is to facilitate and manage 70 plus NFL players every single day while improving their game on and off the field. Anybody else sweating yet? Because I know I am. I'm very excited to have one of my best friends and the kick-ass director of player engagement for the Cleveland Browns, Mr. Ron Brewer. Hey, appreciate you. Appreciate you. Happy to be here. Yes, I'm so excited because we've been friends for a long time. Did you know we're in our sixth season together? Wow. Yeah, I know. Crazy, right? That's crazy. But let's kind of take it back because your job is super interesting and nobody really knows it exists. So share with me, what is a director of player engagement for an NFL team? Yeah, it's pretty much like you said. I mean, nobody really knows that we exist. Um, We're kind of the behind the scenes guys that, you know, what I like to call the glue guys that kind of hold everything together. I mean, there's one of us, you know, maybe two on every 32 team. And um, man, everything behind, like off the field, behind the scenes, you know, just like you mentioned in the introduction, I mean, our job is to really take care of these guys and, and help these guys mature, become professionals and really maximize their potential while they're in the NFL. So from financial education to decision making to mental health to, you know, family decisions, I mean, you name it, everything off the field and, and dealing with their personal lives, like that's what we're responsible for. And so, you know, our phones can ring at, you know, five in the morning or two in the morning or at midnight, you know, uh, no matter what time it is, we, you know, we're there for the guys. Absolutely. So you're 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes you have more than 70 guys like this time of year, you've got like 90, right? Or 100. Yeah, it gets close to nine. I mean, we top out at 90, um, kind of around like getting closer to training camp. Um, yeah. around this time of the year, you know, it's like you said, 75, get close to 80. Um, you know, you got to have a little room for the, for the rooks, for the new guys that would come in at the end of April. Um, so once we get those guys in, then we pretty much top out at 90. Well, and let's talk about rookie class. I mean, they come in every May like clockwork and they push guys out. And so right now we're talking in the midst of free agency. What is it like as we look at the business side of the NFL. Everybody's always looking at, oh, that guy signed a $200 million contract or a $50 million contract. But there's a lot more behind the scenes that go on. We've got about 250 to 500 guys that are going to lose their job in the next four weeks. So with the business of the NFL, what are some of the common misconceptions people have about what the NFL really is as a business? Yeah, you know, that whole acronym NFL, you know, meaning not for long, like that's a a real thing, you know? And so... As you see, as we get guys, you know, signing these contracts, I mean, I think one, the biggest thing is never as much money as people see, you know, whether it's in the paper or online. 
Um, you know, it's, it's never, you know, what the media portrays it to be in terms of how much these guys are actually making. Now, they are making a good pretty penny, um, but it's never as much as you, you know, you see out there in the media. And that's one. And then two, it's such for it's, it's for such a short time. I mean, you know, you see a guy sign a three year contract. I mean, really, you're looking at two years and then maybe that third year, you know, it's not guaranteed. You know, so they might, you know, get released or cut and not even see a dime. Uh, from that third year in that contract. And so, I mean, it's like you said, the more guys we sign, if we're signing a linebacker, there's only a certain number of slots. You know, when you get down to that 53-man roster with a couple of practice squad guys, I mean, there's only a certain number of slots. And so, you know, you see guys start to move around this time of the year, you know, but for everybody that you sign, you know, that's another slot that a guy held the year previously um, that, you know, likely won't be there. And, and then you got to start to think about, you know, well, is that person going to get on another team? Or is their career just ending? Um, and so, you know, it's a lot of turnover. Um, it's not a long time that you see the Tom Brady's of the world and other guys that play, you know, 10, 11 years. That's actually the minority more than the majority. Well, we've been together for six years now with the Browns as their coach. And one of the things I've noticed is if I go back to the 2019 rookie class, I think we only have three guys in the locker room still, maybe two from that rookie class. So there's a ton of movement that happens in the NFL. Most guys don't make it to year three. Even though their contract might say four or five years, they really only make it to about year three. And that doesn't mean that they earn all the money that their rookie contract says they're going to earn. So there's these ideas and thoughts behind the NFL that, well, misconceptions really, that all these guys are millionaires. I might only have in one rookie class one to two millionaires. In that moment, you have maybe in your locker room, 20% of your, your actual locker room making a million dollars that year, maybe. And that's something I think a lot of people don't realize. And with NIL coming into the mix, which we're getting a lot more of that in our locker rooms now, uh, it's changing the game. It's changing how guys perceive money. What's been the biggest impact of NIL on your locker room? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. Um, really, last year I saw it for the first time. Um, these guys, you know, they come in with, they basically come in with some money. Um, where previously, you know, you talk about like year, like if we were in year one, you know, you say we're in year six. You think about back to year one. I mean, these guys were, one, so excited to start making the money that they were making. Um, and then two, you realize they were coming from, you know, being on scholarship you know, not being able to have a bunch of money, not being able to sign deals and things like that. And so now you see that as you talk about six years later, I mean, these guys are already starting to come in um, with a little bit of money. Um, I've had guys come in with two cars already as rookies and they bought two cars already. Um, I was talking to a guy you know, that could potentially come in this draft um, and he already has a house that he's bought um, and is renting out. And so, I mean, these guys, you know, these guys are really making money. Some may even start to make a pay cut, you know, depending on, you know, when they get drafted and when they get brought in. And so, I mean, you're kind of seeing guys, you know, come in with a little bit of, you know, I, I would like to say, you know, less humility um, because, you know, they're already coming in with some change and kind of got that, you know, kind of, you know, kind of puffing up their chest a little bit. Um, but just the mentality of it all. They're not as desperate or as hungry sometimes. They're still hungry. But I, don't, I don't want to speak for everybody, but sometimes they're not as hungry to make that paycheck um, that they would make that, that they would be making, you know, had they come in without anything. So NIL is also changing the mentality in the locker room, like what people think in the locker room, how they're approaching the game. 
the desperation isn't maybe there as much because they've already got some paper. It also changes. I've noticed this the last two years. It's changing how the guys approach their rookie contracts in the sense that some of them are taking pay cuts. You are absolutely right. And so they're looking at, well, I don't have to try as hard because I'm not getting paid as much, which is crazy because every snap counts, every practice counts, every vested game counts. But when you're 22 and you don't know that, you start making really poor life choices, which impact your finances. Yeah. And you don't realize, you know, three, four years from now, what that thing could look like. Right. Because now you come in with money. Uh, you've made it to the league. So you're thinking you're about to get more money. But then you don't realize three years from now when you're 25, just like we talked about, you're only 25. Those checks stop coming. And so, you know, yeah. just being able to see like, you know, three, four years down the road and understanding that, hey, man, this thing really is not that long. Um, and so that little bit of NIL money that you think you got and a little bit of money that you might get in your rookie contract, that's not enough. It's got to last 60 plus years and three years at 750,000 isn't enough to retire on. Now we talk about all the guys landing in the NFL. How did you land in the NFL? You know, either, either my mom or my sister is funny. They got this picture. I can't find it. They have it somewhere. Um, but it's funny. It's, it's from me back in, I don't know. I had to be in high school, maybe middle school. Um, but I'm standing in front of my bedroom door and, uh, what you see on the wall is a little computer printout and it just says, you know, I'm going to the NFL, you know, and uh, I might have been kind of crazy about it, a little weird about it, I guess, when I was growing up, man. But, you know, that was the vision for me from, I don't know, the time I was young, the time I came out the womb. Um, and obviously at that time, you know, I thought I was going to make it, you know, as a player. Um, and so, you know, I had put that on my wall and, you know, set that as a goal for myself um, and then obviously, you know, made it. And to the college level, played at the collegiate level um, at the University of North Carolina, Go Tar Heels. Um, played at the college level there. And then once, you know, I kind of started seeing how my college career was evolving and started to kind of realize, you know, you know, playing in the league might not be the thing for me. Um, and so um, I kind of, you know, you know, exhausted as much as I could in my physical body um, in terms of playing at the collegiate level and, and hopefully get into the NFL. But then once I realized that wasn't an option, you know, I started looking at other ways, you know, you know, playing in the league isn't the only way you can get to the league. Um, and so I started looking at different career paths, you know, when I got my master's in sport administration um, and then worked at LSU for a little bit. But while I was down there, I was still kind of, you know, had my eyes on the league. Um, and so honestly, Hill, like I literally, you know, put my resume together, tried to, you know, spice it up as best I could. And I sent my resume out to all 32 teams. Um, and, you know, my heart at the time was just, and as it is now, was really to help guys, you know, who were playing football, but also let them see, you know, the side of them that they could be great human beings. They could be great men, great fathers, great husbands. Um, and that was something that I wanted to try and do. And so I came across player engagement, sent out my resume to all 32 teams, man. And honestly, by the grace of God, like the Minnesota Vikings, they were the only team that hit me back. You know, but all it takes is one. And so um, the Vikings hit me back and, and that's how I started my career. Went up there, interviewed and, and won the job. Shout out Les Pico. Yeah, Les Pico, my guy from day one. Yes, definitely. He gave you your first shot. Mm-hmm. First shot. And it taught me a lot of like, pretty much everything I know about, you know, player development, player engagement. You know, he's taught me most of it. 
I love that. And shout out Les because he's been in the role a long time. Yeah, he's yeah. he's an OG in the role. He knows the drill, and he then trained you. And you've been here for eight years. That's a long time to be in a role that's completely dad, big brother centric. <laughs> Your phone always rings. Everyone's always texting you. Um, what's what's been or how has it been for you? as an individual growing in this role, because we talk all the time, you're always reading some new great book, but you've also, I've watched you evolve into not just a big brother and somebody who helps guys off the field, but you've now become a leader in that locker room. You've become somebody that coaches turn to players, turn to people turn to what is one of the most important things that you think you leave behind or instill with the guys in your locker room? Yeah, you know, it's funny, like you talk about, you know, how you've seen me evolve over the couple of years. Um, and the reality is the reason for that is because I always, you know, try to think of different ways to impact the guys. Right. And, you know, each year I try to find, you know, I, I take the experience that I had over the previous season. I look at the relationships that I've had, the guys that we've had in the locker room. And then, you know, I try to think about, OK, now, you know, what can I give them differently next year? You know, guys who are rookies, how am I going to treat them now and talk to them and communicate with them now as second year guys, guys that were fourth year guys? You know, how can I talk to them now as fifth year guys? And so I'm always trying to educate myself, as you mentioned, just reading the books um, and then always just reflecting on how the past year went. And to be honest with you, like here every year, you know, my goal is is to try to find some way to get these guys to really see the big picture. Um, and be able to make just really intelligent, long-term decisions on their own. Like, I really want to get them to think as a CEO. Um, And I really want to try and get them to think, you know, let's say they're 22, I'm really trying to get them to think as a 26-year-old. You know what I mean? Or if they're 26, I'm trying to get them to think as a 30-year-old. You know, and just in terms of, like, how they manage their money, how they manage their relationships, um, how they manage their family, you know, parents and things like that. Like, I really just... I try to, the way I talk to them, you know, I don't really give a lot of answers, um, even though I, you know, probably have the answer in my mind, but I always push them to try to, you know, make the answer, say the answer themselves um, and see the big picture themselves um, and get them thinking and and being able to articulate things. And so honestly, it's real subtle, um, but a lot of what I do is really to try to get these guys to think and see the big picture for themselves um, and push them to articulate, push them to think, um, push them to make decisions, you know, like they're a CEO and for the long term. Well, and they are. Um, they are CEOs in the long term. Most of these guys are, I wouldn't say natural leaders, but a lot of them are. I mean, there's a good amount of guys in the locker room that you can't get to pro athletics without having some real strong motivation, motivating discipline factors in your life. So the fact that you're developing them off the field to find those things and be able to push to them says a lot about you as a person. And that goes back to your leadership and goes back to your impact. You don't, you're not just out here, I'm going to make an impact. No, you're actually living it every single day and you're doing it and you're personally getting better. And I think a lot of people look at positions like this because we are very close to the players. Um, we're friends with a lot of these guys because we we know a lot about them that the world doesn't know. And yeah. that's part of player engagement. It's not that you're their buddy, 
but you are a trusted confidant and a friend. And when they do retire and come back five years later and hit us up and say, hey, that changed my life, they do become a friend. They become right. somebody that's part of that circle. Yeah. And that is more impactful, I think, than what the media portrays the NFL to be. And that's why I love highlighting guys like you and Les and DT and Indy and Austin and San Fran and Alex and Miami. Like we could go through the whole dang list of guys. Yeah. Because what you guys do as leaders, as mentors, as confidants, as, you know, kind of the team fixer, like we're going to go and make these boys men because that's yeah. what you do. Yeah. Uh, you guys do something that nobody else in the league does and nobody talks about. And yet you're the reason for their successes off the field, which leads yeah. me to one of my favorite things about working with you is your ability to adapt and develop these young men. But what's your favorite part about it's not even working with. NFL players, it's working with the group of men in your locker room. Cause every year the locker room's different. Yeah. We know this, yeah. but what's your favorite part about working with these human beings? Cause they're majority of these guys are great. It's like you said, like the majority of the world don't get to see the guys the way we get to see them. Um, you know, they see them on Sundays or Monday or whenever we're playing Thursday night. Um, and a lot of times those guys are covered in helmets and they're, they're in a different mind frame, you know, to play this game and to compete. Um, but when all of that is off, I mean, even the, that's really the majority of the days, you know, you know, Monday through Saturday, you know what I mean? You know, when they're not playing um, and they're practicing or they get done and they, you know, going home at four o'clock, you know, four thirty, um, their lives outside of that. Again, whether they're husbands or fathers or whether they're just, you know, some of the guys and stuff like that. Um, and I say, you know, just really my favorite thing about. Uh, being able to work with these guys, as you said, is the fact that they are human beings. Um, it's something different every day. Um, it's it's a different conversation and dialogue every day. Um, and you get to really see like people's hearts and people are from Mississippi. They're from Texas. They're from Florida. And to me, like, I'll, I'll be honest, like that's the most beautiful thing about this position to me. As I get to meet so many people from different backgrounds and different education levels and different experiences, and I get to have conversations with all of them. And then I get to try to find some way to influence every last one of them. Again, like I said, whether it's the 10 year vet who's from California, um, who grew up in a good home and things like that, I get to try to find a way to connect with him and help build his future life. Or it's the guy who grew up with nothing um, that might be from Texas or somewhere like that. Like I get to meet all these people and just really see like just the beauty of like the creation and us as humans and, um, you know, the, the just the individual men, you know, in our locker room that you really get to get to know as, you know, people and for themselves. Like that's the fun part to me. Um, you know, I, I really enjoy that. And then the challenge like, hey, man, how can I impact this guy today? Um, you know, depending on where he's come from and what he's got going on. And that's I think why we align, because that's my favorite part of the job is. I don't really know what a lot of them do on the field because we all know I'm not the greatest at football. I did watch film with you this year for the first time. Had no idea what was going on. We saw a couple clips. Yeah, Noose was trying to walk me through it, and I was like, I don't know what's yeah, happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get you there. One day. But I, what I love about what you do and how you approach it is that it's completely authentic. It's so valuable. And it's why we love doing what we do because these guys are family to us. That locker room is family. And we don't get to talk about it or share that much. And when I go and I walk into Cleveland, every time I walk in, I'm like, Bruce here, I got to go get like a bunt cake or some donuts or something. <laughs> like we're going to go hang. And then I get to see Sahana and there used to be a dog. There's not a dog anymore. I'm kind of disappointed about that. Just saying, 
But now then I walk in and we go to the cafeteria and all the guys are like, oh, what's up, Hill? How's it going? Come over, say hi. The family that is the Browns locker room was nothing that I ever expected when I started doing this. I always just thought I'm going to go in and teach finance. They're going to learn something. And then it turned into, yo, Hill, how do I get a credit card? Walk me through getting a car. How do I save this kind of money? And it became a conversation and a value add, not just 45 minutes of my day talking to people. And part of the reason that's become a success is because of how you run your locker room and how you make those guys understand where the value comes from in life. And it's not the 60 minutes on Sunday that's going to make or break you. It's what you do the rest of the time. No, it is. It is. And these guys, like, you know, the family atmosphere, like I said, these they're like my little bros, my little big bros, I should say, you know, because I'm not definitely not six five, six six. But I look at the six six guy like, you know, you know, like my little brother, too. And uh, but we treat it. That's how we treat it. We treat it like a family. That's 100 percent. And nobody can fall. We can't leave anybody behind. You know what I mean? And so that's that's no. the way and I they, push and I mean, now you're a big bro. I started getting called sis this season. I don't know how that happened. It's been <laughs> hell up until this season. Yeah. And then somebody yeah. yelled down the hallway, sis, you here? And I was like, oh, no, that's not. What, that's what's great. going on? Yeah, you family. <laughs> family. And I was like, okay. this. But it shows that even if I'm only in the building six, seven times a year, that they know they can hit me. They know they can hit you and be like, mm-hmm. hey, I need help. And support systems like that don't exist everywhere. And they don't even exist in every NFL facility. And I can say that because I've been in quite a few of them. Um, And so these guys have a really valuable person in their corner, a true, just authentic human, which is you. So I wanted to talk to you today and talk a little bit about your leadership style, how you approach and reflect, why you do what you do. But you're also very heavy into understanding money. And we text all the time (laughs) about it. And I love it. So... I want you to share one of your best financial practices, things that you do every day, because you're always talking about money, learning about it, educating yourself. What's your best financial practice? Yeah, it's funny here. You know, when we first started six years ago, I knew like nowhere near as much as I needed to know and should have known. And definitely not as much as I know now about finances. And uh, again, you talk about the road. That's one area where I had to work on just even myself. Like learning those things and then learning about how to make money, make money, you know, and stuff like that. And so um, I've grown to the point now, I would say some of the best things that I do. Uh, can I give you two? Let me give you two. Yeah. Um, one it. thing I do now that I didn't do six years ago is I actually do have a legit budget that, you know, I literally, you know, I stick to as much as possible. Um, you know, every month I'm in there. All right, what's coming up? You know, what can I do? How much can I save? Da, 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 da. Um, I, I do probably a much better job than I did six years ago. Thanks to you um, of just having a legit budget. Um, and then the other thing that I will say now that I do uh, is probably one of the best things I do is for the most part, I stick to the plan. You know what I mean? Um, like, obviously, there's temptations out there. Every now and then you see something you want to go grab and you go grab it that wasn't in the budget. Um, but <laughs> Nikes. <laughs> Nikes. <laughs> <laughs> little sneaks, stuff like that. But, you know, as you realize, like, because I stick to the plan for the most part, those little one offs and things like that, you know, really, they do fit into the overall plan. Um, and so by sticking yeah. to the plan, I've been able to, like, really make a lot more money. Um 
then I've actually gotten paid by my job um, just by just sticking to the plan and doing some different investments because you have a little, you know, a little capital and things like that. Like, you know, I would say just, you know, doing a little budget and sticking to the plan. Those kind of been my my two uh, superpowers when it comes to finances. I love that. And you built your net worth because you've done this. Yeah. Still got still got ways to go. Still got work to do. We all um, do. But yeah, like the things that I've learned again, like giving you your, your flowers, giving credit to you, like the things that I've learned from the stuff that you taught and that you've been teaching our guys when I'm sitting in the back and I'm taking notes, um, you know, those things that. You know, you taught us like really have I've been able to apply to my own personal finances and and see a little bit of growth. Well, that's I mean, that's all we can hope for. Right. Just a nugget every time something that's going to help you push to the next level and be just that much better, because all it takes is one percent better. If you can get one percent better, you're working harder than you were the next the last day. And that's that's what I love about being in athletic facilities is everybody's in there and they're expected to work and they show up ready to work. And that's such a great mentality to feed off of. And it's something that we feed off of each other because we talk all the time and we're constantly trying to improve and change and hit what's current, make sure that we're being impactful. But a lot of that drive stems from the people we surround ourselves with. So I want to leave today with what does it mean to have really good people in your circle? Because this is something we talk to the guys about all the time. If you don't have a good circle, it's not a good look. How important is that circle for you in life? Yeah, sheesh. I mean, that's heavy. I mean, like, I mean, you think about, again, you talk about, you just, like you just said, in life, like you think about all the different curveballs, you know, things that come out the blue, things that, you know, you get hit with unexpected, things that challenge you. um, And you may either be, you know, and I say paralyzed, I mean, just paralyzed in terms of your decision making. Um, and at a place where you don't know whether to go right or left. Um, and then having those people in your corner in those moments um, are crucial. Uh, like they're extremely crucial. Somebody that you can call and somebody that's feeding into you. Um, somebody that you, even if you're just, you know, um, having a daily conversation with your daily friends with, um, the input that they, you know, put in your lives and the things that they give you, man, they help impact influence those decisions in a positive way um so much you know like you know i think about you i think about like you mentioned dt um i think about guys that i you know still continue to keep in my circle that i can reach out to um and that are all you know they're doing good things as well um but people who really you know sit back and say all right how can i help brew you know get to this next level how can i help brew make the best decision possible here um how can i help brew find peace you know what i mean like those things are so crucial that I can't do and my life wouldn't be where it is right now without those, you know, types of individuals. Like I talked about, like you talk about the striving, the growth, um, me being in the NFL, you know, me continuing to be in the NFL these eight years, you know, could have easily got fired and let go. You know what I mean? Like, as you see so much turnover in the league, like all that stuff is from the people around me um, and the things that they put in me. Like, no lie. And God, of course. And that's part of what you do with your guys is you make sure that the people they surround themselves with are a good influence instead of a bad. Because all it takes is one bad decision and the whole ride can be over. Oh, no question. I mean, just like that. Overnight. And so it's amazing to hear your perspective, how you approach the business of football, and then how you approach the guy under the helmet. 
and how much you impact those guys. And you know, I'm gonna have a couple of them on here, so they're gonna have to shout you out. <laughs> and, uh, but thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing some of your financial tips, things that you do, just like all the rest of us. And yeah. even though you are up in the stratosphere with the business of the NFL, it's just this for everybody else. We all do the same things and it all comes back to having that plan. So thank yeah, you for coming on, I appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate you having me here. Appreciate it, enjoyed it. There you have it, a real live look into what it actually means to work for an NFL team. I had a blast talking to Brew. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you wanna fast track your money game, just like the guys I work with at the Browns, go grab my 12 week training program on financiallyfitpodcast.com and get started today. Remember, train your money like an athlete trains for success with Coach Hill. Thank you.